Merry Christmas. I'm sorry. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so rude. All right. Great. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be in the Word of God today, specifically in the book of Hebrews. Have Bibles you could open up there. We're going to be all over the place, admittedly, but we're going to start in Hebrews. If you're ever, you know, there's some such thing as topical preaching where you look through all the scriptures, finding a theme, that's what this is going to look more like uh, today. So we're going to be all over the place. But we're going to start our journey in the book of Hebrews, so if you could open up your Bibles to that book. And we continue in our worship in adoring the person of Christ. He's going to be at the center, and obviously, um, going through the series here, Adore Him, King, Prophet, Priest. Today we're at that second word, that word prophet. That's what we're going to be doing today. And really, Jesus has many names in the scriptures. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Messiah. The book of John refers to him as the door, the word. I mean, we could spend the rest of the day, many days, just talking about the names of Jesus. And I think about that one hymn that reads like this, Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. So we have the privilege and opportunity today to look at a name of Jesus, actually a role that Jesus fulfills and fills, and that is the role of prophet. And at least personally for me, um, when we think of prophet, priest, king, or whatever order traditionally you've thought of it in, um, I think king and priest, I've heard talk about a lot, but his role is prophet, not as much, at least for me. A lot of new stuff. So hopefully today, we learn, and usually when I used to teach Bible, I would say, Lord, help us to learn something. So hopefully we learn something. But specifically about Jesus being prophet. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. That's what we'll read together. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may your voice be preeminent in our hearts. May we put away all other voices and listen to the prophet that we should be listening to every single day. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, after escaping from Egypt and wandering in the wilderness for nearly 40 years, the Israelites were ready to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And on this occasion, God inspired Moses to summarize what they had experienced and what God had taught them, and that summary is the book of Deuteronomy. Moses reminded the Israelites that God was not going to permit him to go into the Promised Land because he had disobeyed God, his specific instructions at Kadesh. 
the Israelites must have felt pretty nervous at the idea of facing, facing many new challenges and dangers without Moses, that, that leader that brought them out of the promised land and, and through the wilderness for 40 years. And to reassure them, God did three things. First, he reminded everyone that he, God, was in charge and that personally he would lead them and protect them. You find that in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Second, he inaugurated Joshua, a very competent leader, to take Moses' place and said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, says that to Joshua. And thirdly, God gave Moses and the nation a prophecy that someday there would be another prophet like Moses. And God says this in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses speaking, from among you, from your brothers. And it is to him that you shall listen. At times during Jesus' ministry, there were those that, that guessed that Jesus was the promised prophet. They would say, oh no, he, he's the prophet. Is he the one that we are to expect, that prophet that we're to expect? And that's what a lot of people would say about Jesus when he was ministering here on earth. Is he the one? Is he the prophet that Moses spoke about? And Peter gives us an answer in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Jesus is the promised prophet. Now in the Old Testament, there were three roles, or three roles. There's another word, and I just can't think of it. Three functions. Offices, that's it. <laughs> Jonathan claimed it too. He said, that was me. Okay. Okay. Offices, three offices that were anointed um, with oil for, for and, the, and they were anointed with oil because they were set apart for a specific service for the people of God, for God. And of course, those three offices, first prophets, and, and we actually see an example in 1 Kings chapter 19, um, uh, verse 16, sorry, chapter 19, verse 16, where Elijah is told to anoint the successor, his prophet, uh, which was Elisha. And then First Chronicles 16, we read, don't touch my anointed and do my prophets no harm. That's, of course, repeated in, in Psalm 105. So prophets we know were anointed for a specific service set apart for the people of Israel. And second group were priests. Exodus chapter 29, we have Aaron, and those who were in his priesthood instructed to be anointed. Exodus chapter 40, verse 15, the sons of Aaron were to be anointed as priests unto God. Again, set apart for a special service. And then there's the third duty that received anointing, and that was that of king, which we talked about last week. 1 Samuel 10, Saul, the first king, was anointed. 1 Samuel 16, David was anointed. It symbolized the outpouring of God's heavenly blessing on one who is called to a uniquely heavenly task. 
that were anointed. And we know that the promise of God in the Old Testament is that there would come an anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Deliverer, but he, he would also be the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, the ultimate king. He is the anointed one set aside for his service, God's people and to God. Jesus Christ, the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. The Messiah would be all three. And today we're going to see that he is prophet. See, God is a God who speaks. Genesis 1.1, with one word, he, with words, he speaks everything into existence. In John chapter 1, it says that God himself, or Jesus, is the word. Psalm chapter 29, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Ezekiel 16, when God wants the dead to come to life, said one word, live. We were just looking at the story of Lazarus, where Jesus speaks words. Lazarus, come out, and the dead are brought to life. God is a God who speaks. In fact, if Jesus were to stop speaking, we'd be dead. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, even now Jesus is holding together your molecules with his words. He's holding us together. That's also Colossians 1. He holds all things together through the word of his mouth. And he has been speaking through the prophets in the Old Testament, but now he has spoken through Jesus. Jesus is now the prophet. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at three ways that Jesus fulfills the, pro the role of prophet, three ways he does that, and then we'll look at the question, so what? Or how, why is that significant for our lives? So first, Jesus fulfills the role of prophet by relaying God's words and character to the world. Now, the primary role of the prophet in the Old Testament is not predictive, necessarily, although there were predictions made. The primary role of the prophet in the Old Testament was to declare the words of God to God's people, to relay God's message to his people, which is why he was often not received so well, because often the message from God to God's people was that of condemnation and judgment. But that was their primary role, was to bring God's message to God's people. That was the prophet in the Old Testament. And Jesus, of course, did this on multiple occasions. But not only does Jesus relay the words of God to the world, but he reveals who God is to the world. God has revealed himself to us most clearly and in detail in the person of Jesus. He's the living, breathing, flesh and blood, human presentation of God. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father through full of grace and truth. You should recognize it because that's from the book of John. Speaking of Jesus, John also writes in his gospel, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who himself, who is himself God, is near the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Paul told the Colossians, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. As if to say, what was once not seen is now seen. He existed before anything was created, 
and is supreme over all creation. Jesus said to Philip, they're in the upper room, and they're saying, well, you know the Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You're asking an elementary question on graduation day. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus reveals to us the person of God, who he is. The signs and wonders that Jesus performed revealed the glory and power of God, the way he lived, the miracles he performed, his teachings, the parables he demonstrated, and it all showed us how, how the Father cares for us, how he loves us, who he is. The way to know the Father and have a relationship with him is to know the Son, who is the fullness of God's revelation of himself. He is the prophet who has revealed to us the words of God, but also the character of God as well. So Jesus fulfills the role of prophet by relaying God's words and character to the world. Secondly, Jesus fulfills the role of prophet by fulfilling prophecy. I mean, you could spend, again, many, many days talking about the prophecies that Jesus fulfills. I'll mention a few. He was born of a virgin. That's Isaiah 7, verse 14, fulfilled, Luke chapter 1. He was born in Bethlehem. That's Micah 5, 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. We see that there. He was going to be a prophet like Moses, which we've already seen, Deuteronomy chapter 18. He's going to be the son of God, Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. We see that in Mark chapter 1, verse 11. He will perform miracles, Isaiah chapter 35, verses 4 through 6, seen in the entirety of Jesus' ministry. He was going to be silent before his accusers, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. We see time and time again that Jesus fulfills prophecies in the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 22, Jesus is on the cross. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And actually, the title of that psalm in Hebrew literature would have been the first line. And the first line is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you read Psalm 22, it basically outlines crucifixion. Where it talks about piercings. It talks about his garments being sold. So when Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If there was a Jewish person in the vicinity to hear those words, it would have clicked. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Basically, that psalm happening before their eyes. Jesus fulfills countless prophecies. But not only does he fulfill prophecies from the Old Testament, he fulfills his own prophecies about himself that he prophesied. Jesus said he will suffer and die. And before the crucifixion, both the priests, the guards, the Roman soldiers, they beat Jesus. Jesus said he will be handed over on the Passover. He was handed over at night after the Galileans celebrated Passover and right before the Judeans do. Jesus said that one of his disciples will betray him. Judas betrayed him. So not only does Jesus fulfill Old Testament prophecies, but he prophesies about himself and fulfills those prophecies perfectly. He fulfills the role of prophet through fulfilling prophecies. 
So first, Jesus fulfills the role of prophet by relaying God's words and character to God's people. Second, Jesus fulfills the role of prophet by fulfilling prophecy himself. And thirdly, Jesus fulfills the role of prophet in his suffering and death. Because, like I already mentioned, in the Old Testament, a prophet was not received well. Bringing God's prophetic word to his people was always a costly business. And the conclusion reached by the New Testament writers as they look back over the Old Testament history is that prophets have always been persecuted. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, refers to this fact when he ends his final beatitude with the words, this is Matthew 5, 12, in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Stephen uh, brought his speech to the Jewish Sanhedrin to, to a smarting conclusion with the challenge, was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? Looking into the future, Jesus indicates that there is not likely to be any change in the way prophets are treated. And he says this in Luke chapter 11, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. So it's almost a job description of prophet, persecution, suffering, and often death. And I'll also add this. The voice of the Old Testament prophets being disregarded, mocked, even by God's own people. Jesus' words were often mocked and ridiculed. And I think that's true today as well. That the words of Jesus are often mocked and ridiculed. And I wonder how we respond. Do we stand with the truth of Jesus, no matter how his message is received? Because to be a prophet usually meant suffering and sometimes even death. And in this, Jesus fills and fulfills the role of prophet. Acts chapter 3, verse 18 also says, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer and he thus fulfilled. So he fulfilled the, the prophecies of suffering and he himself, being a prophet, suffered. So now, why is that significant for us? That's what we get into here. And the first significance is this. Christ as prophet fulfills our deepest need of salvation. Christ as prophet fulfills our deepest need of salvation. Because our greatest need is to hear from God. Without his voice, we are lost, wondering what life is all about. We don't know who we are, why we're here, what we're for. But God is not silent. He's been speaking since the foundation of the world. He's been speaking through the prophets and now he speaks through his son. And Jesus is the answer the world has been looking for. He's the answer for our lives as well. Jesus is the whole message of the whole God for the entirety of the universe. He is the answer to the problem of sin. And again, just like it says in Hebrews 1, in the old he has spoken to the prophets in many portions and in many ways, and today he speaks to us in Christ. So that's the first reason why it's significant for us. Jesus' prophet 
fulfills our greatest need of salvation. We need to hear from God. And second, Christ as prophet provides divine instruction and direction. We're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 1. I didn't tell you we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 1. I told you we're going to be all over the place. We're back. Hebrews chapter 1. And it's a remarkable thing to me. If you read through Hebrews chapter 1, it starts out, you know, talking about God spoke through the prophets. Now he speaks through Jesus. And then the entirety of chapter 1 is an explanation of who Jesus is. But you won't find in the entire chapter a command. It's just explanation and description of Jesus, the now prophet. It's all celebration. It's all declaration. It's, it's to this effect. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he spoke to us in his son. And the rest of the chapter describes the son. Verse 2. He's the heir of all things. He upholds the universe with the word of his power. That's verse 3. He created all things. That's verse 2 again. He's the radiance of God's glory. That's verse 3. He's the exact representation of the Father's nature. That's verse 3. He made purification for sin. That's verse 3. He sat down at the right hand of majesty. Verse 3 again. He's, he is over all angels, dispatching them to his bidding among the saints. That's verse 4, 7, and 14. He is worshipped by everything in the universe except his Father. That's verse 6. He is God. That's verses 8 through 12. That's chapter 1. All about Jesus. No commandments. No duties. Just truth. Just glorious Christ-exalting revelation of God's final decisive word, his prophet, Jesus Christ. But we do find the first command in the book of Hebrews in chapter 2, where it says this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. If you have it open... Please look at that. We must pay closer attention to, or in some versions, take heed to or attend to what we have heard. So the, log lo the logical link here is therefore. So all of chapter 1 is designed to lead us to chapter 2, verse 1. To lead us to this commandment. Namely, listen. Everything he has said about Jesus in chapter 1 was meant to say, wake up, listen. Don't drift, listen. Take heed, look in, zero in. That, that's why that little connecting phrase is there. It says, therefore. It's because all of what you've seen in chapter one, all of what we know of who Christ is, we've been beholding him this entire year. Everything leads to this command, listen. Because if you don't listen, what was it for? If we don't listen, we don't obey, that's what it leads to. We must pay closer attention to what we have heard, namely Jesus. So if you boil down chapter one and the first verse of chapter two into one simple sentence, it kind of goes like this. Since God has spoken in these last days by his son, therefore we must give close heed to what we have heard. The dignity, the majesty, the glory of the word spoken, namely Jesus, increases the sense of seriousness of the command. Listen to him. Listen to what he has said. And I ask myself, what am I listening to? And I don't know where you are and you're listening to Jesus. But the command here seems to be, 
to pay close attention to this final decisive word that God spoke in the ultimate prophet, Jesus Christ. But it's not a surprising command to me in chapter 2, verse 1, because I know my bent not to listen. That's what I tend to do. That's my tendency. When Jesus says, rejoice when you're persecuted in my name, my tendency is to complain. When Jesus says, let your light shine before all people, my tendency is to hide. When Jesus says, be reconciled to one another, my tendency is to hold a grudge. When Jesus says, take sin seriously, my tendency is to act like nothing's wrong. When Jesus says, love your enemies, here it is, my tendency is to hate them. When Jesus says, keep your word, my tendency is to stretch the truth as far as it'll go. What are you listening to? And And it's our Savior's words as he's on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's the words of Jesus on the cross where he says, it is finished. What are we listening to? What what voices drown out the voice of our Savior? At the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, when the Father announces that Jesus is his beloved Son, he adds the command, listen to him. So so if everything is true about Jesus, the command that follows and the the only command that makes sense is listen. And it's interesting because there at the transfiguration, you have two other prophets. You have three prophets there. Elijah, Moses, Jesus. And what what do the disciples ask after, after that scene is finished? They say, should we erect three tabernacles or three altars for these three prophets? And then a big light shines down. They fall on their face. When they look up, who's there? Jesus only. Because now he is the prophet. He is the one we are to listen to. He reveals the character of God. He reveals his words to us. Because everyone is listening to something. We listen to the news. We listen to podcasts. We listen to music. We listen to professors. We listen to our friends. We're all listening to something or someone. And I'm asking... What dominates your ears? What do you primarily listen to? And do those things we listen to drown out the voice of our Savior? And if they do, set those things aside. What voice do you cherish most? What voice do you treasure most? Don't drift away from his voice. And in fact, adore his voice more than any other. So during this Advent season, as I come to a close, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. Let's look to Jesus, our true prophet, the one who truly reveals God to the church and to the world. He did what every other prophet before him could only hint at doing. He finally dealt with the sin of God's people and restored his presence to his people. As he dwells with us, Jesus, the true prophet, speaks the very words of God to us. We look to him for hope even in our darkest moments, with the confidence that in these last days, God has spoken to us in his own son. So listen to his voice and adore his voice. Let's pray together.